Welcome to another edition of the Precision Farming Dealer Podcast. I'm Noah Newman, your host and associate editor. This week, we're going one-on-one with Skip Kleinfelter, who is the owner of Linko Precision in El Paso, Illinois. And they became a lot bigger over the summer when they joined forces with Bottom Line Solutions as they formed one of the largest precision farming sales and service companies in the Midwest. And then this fall, they expanded their footprint even further after buying Dairy One Cooperative's precision farming assets in Ithaca, New York. So we're going to talk with Skip about that expansion and also get his take on the future of precision ag in general. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Here's Skip. Yeah, it's Skip Kleinfelder with Lenko Precision. It's a ag technology solutions group that we formed and we've had some expansion over the years, started on the farm back in 2002 and started with precision planting products and added Trimble and Egg Leader and several other products along the way. And we ended up purchasing the assets of Lenko Equipment, El Paso, Illinois. over the years and we are operating out of El Paso now, but we've had some expansion recently and we do sell ag equipment, fertilizer equipment mostly, but where we all started was in precision ag equipment. We've recently added a facility in Morton, Illinois, that's bottom line solutions that uh, comes under our umbrella. And more recently we purchase the assets, the precision planting farming assets of Dairy One Cooperative in New York. Just that portion of their their business, not the whole business. And we have two employees out there and are uh, looking to expand our footprint. We do represent a couple of new and upcoming equipments in precision side and fertilizer equipment side, basically the east of the Mississippi River. And that's kind of where we are today. Yeah, I wanted to take a look back. And when you think about when you first got into precision technology, you know, what was your big motivation for getting into precision ag? Greg Souter that uh, started precision planting, I went to a meeting he had and looked at how he was looking and tweaking planter meters and checking out their efficiency and and as most people know, he improved the corn planter more than anybody, I think, that's been out there today. He since sold the business and to Monsanto and then Agco owns it now. But still, that I, I listened to that and I looked at what the local people were doing with our planter meters. And I actually bought a meter machine because I was pretty sure on the acres we were farming that I would do a better job and pay for the machine. And we started there and we started doing a few neighbors meters and then precision planting expanded into some more products that we helped beta test for them and then into electronic products. And they're managing a lot of things on liquid and your planters today. And we kind of grew with that. But in the middle of that, we bought a couple of tractors and I wanted auto steer on them and nobody locally was doing that. And we went through three different companies and ended up contacting Trimble just kind of a funny story where why we contacted them is because one of my relatives landlords had a tremble light bar on the front of his tractor that came out of an airplane out of a spray plane wow and when we weren't satisfied with the what we were being offered and the service and stuff by other companies we contracted 
our Trimble representative in Indiana. And in 30 minutes, I could we could see the whole price list, the list price and the products they had. And we ended up uh, doing RTK Trimble products on our farm. And everything on our farm is RTK and is uh, Trimble powered. So we got into that. And then we added some other companies because at the time, Ag Leader was pretty good on flow and application control and Trimble wasn't. Trimble since entered that market, but we're still Ag Leader dealers. And we have some some other things. But a lot of us driven by the fact that I wanted those technologies on our farm. There's a Ag Economist consultant out of Iowa, Mo Russell, and he was quoted one time, and I've quoted him several times at meetings of saying to our group that, and Mo actually said it's originally of you don't have to adapt or adopt these new technologies that are coming out today, but you do have to compete against the people that do. And there's just a lot of truth to that. You know, it's another thing too is if, if you have children coming in behind you and you don't do some of these, you don't adapt to things that are at least keeping you, the technologies that are keeping you even with everybody else, somebody's going to end up eating you at some point in time because they're just going to outproduce you. They're going to be able to pay more rents because of the technologies that are working. You know, one of the big challenges always is what technology actually pays, what's the ROI. Um, and uh, ag technologies as a whole, uh, it's kind of like some of the other products that have hit the hot spot and then gone away. A lot of things in ag technologies, there was a, a solution looking for a problem instead of a solution to cure a problem. That's what our company, I think, is pretty well known for. We do uh, basically can come on your farm and do ag technology consulting to see. Uh, a lot of people have in their mind what they want to do. That's not always the most efficient or maybe the correct thing to do. You want, if you're going to initiate and instill different technologies on your farm, you want to do them in a, a somewhat of an order, you know, just throwing RTK out there and not knowing you know, on the steering side of things, not knowing anything else you're doing. Uh, you may be overspending if you're just going to do broad acre tillage or broad acre seeding. Maybe you don't need that, but maybe you should take the money you save by not being that high of accuracy and then instill or initiate something else. And we basically do technology audits for for farmers and where we sit down and what do you want to do? Why do you want to do? What fits? What equipment do you have? What are your future goals? You know, it's 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 not rocket science, but just trying to put things in an orderly direction, especially if you're going to walk into it slowly. The slower you walk into it, the probably the more important it is that you get the order right. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned, um, you know, Linko buying the precision farming assets of Dairy One. That that was big news. So so what does that mean for Linko? And and uh, what can customers get from you that maybe they couldn't get access to otherwise? There's a product called SimPass and SmartBox Plus. It's a replacement for the SmartBox insecticide products and it will basically allow you at this time to put on three separate products, dry products, per each planter row by prescription going through the field. Keeps track of it. There's RFID tags in the boxes that that uh, keep track of disappearance. 
you actually only pay for what you use. So if you bring a pallet of three different types of products out and you end up not using it all, you only pay for what disappears out of the box. That product was developed in conjunction between AMVAC Corporation and Trimble Navigation. And Trimble dealers are the sole distribution arm for that product. And there is a separate license granted to dealers to handle SimPass and SmartBox Plus. We were granted one of, one of, if not the first license to do the distribution. And our sales were over three times the next dealer last year, which was a full year of kickoff. And we had people reaching out to us from the AMVAC Corporation. Uh, they're regional people from the East Coast area. And we had a developed a relationship with Barry One. We're actually looking at possibly somehow melding uh, our precision arms together. Uh, they looked at us as being successful in the precision side of things. And they had people asking about the SimPass product. Uh, they have a close relationship with some colleges out there. Cornell being one of them, uh, they do some test plots on some of Cor- Cornell Research Farm. We're invited to in with the SimPass unit to put on a little promotion. And throughout all of that, and Dairy One's reach of basically 13 states on the East Coast from kind of Delaware on up, we were granted the license in that area from Trimble to do SimPass. And originally, we thought we were going to be using the Dairy One employees uh, for the promotion of that product, not the whole Trimble line, because there is a, a, a licensed uh, by contract Trimble dealer up there. But since we had the knowledge on the SIM pass and we had people on boots on the ground through Dairy One, and it just through conversations and talk back and forth, they they are a uh, digital company where they they handle a lot of data with milk testing and soil testing and things and once we got through to all the discussions of what we thought the synergies were we ended up purchasing their precision farming arm and we will as we sell products that develop and generate data Dairy One, the plan is for Dairy One to be able to crunch that data for their customers, us to handle the hardware and support for those products, of which uh, SimPass is one, but precision planting, we uh, egg leader, things like that, other, the other products. We currently do some fertilizer products from the band of states, first band of states west of Mississippi all the way to the East Coast. So we do have some people where we have a couple of other things that are in the works that are going to exponentially expand our, our reach and our business. There's some new technologies that not free to talk about now, but they're pretty exciting. And that's kind of what keeps me involved in this, even though we, you know, we named uh, Lloyd Lewis as our general manager about a year ago. He's taken the reins our, our business without the addition of the, the two new additions are, Business has grown just slightly under 40% in the last year. Um, part of that's recovery in agriculture, sure helped, but they're a really good team together. But the Dairy One deal, it, it just kind of evolved during 
conversations with them and the synergies that we could put together. And then the AMVAC people reaching out to us saying, can you handle a couple of people here in, in uh, Delaware? And can you do this? And can you do that? Well, through the Dairy One uh, relationship, we could. And again, as I said, the, it just kind of evolved into the the part where we we have two full-time employees out there right now and we're interviewing more. But one of them was a Dairy One employee and another one is a new employee out there. Kind of where we are today with, with that. The other products that we're looking at and two companies came to us and it's distribution on new technologies that are here today, but they are not being promoted uh, for full release yet by anybody. Both the technologies we're looking at are out there and working today, but they're just on the cusp of being released to the general public. Uh, it'll be limited release in 2023, full release in 2024. So, and those are kind of a, um, why I keep involved in stuff, I guess. Those are exciting to me as a, as a production ag person. I'm pretty good with the torch and a welder here on the farm in our own shop and the technologies, uh, really intrigued me. We do a lot of testing on our own farm and that's uh, just keeps, I guess, keeps me getting up in the morning and, and going ahead. Just to, that's exciting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how exciting is it to kind of expand your, your reach, as you mentioned to that East coast, I think you said what dairy one reaches 13 States on the East coast. And then, and does, does that come with any extra challenges of having to manage or service from afar? Well, it, it obviously does, you know, as you can imagine, but it's kind of uh, benefits of, of uh, I don't know, bad or challenging times. Four or five years ago, we tried to initiate something that where we could do remote meetings with our team. And we tried Google Meets, we tried Zoom, uh, and they, they worked, but not very well. And then COVID hit and the whole world had to do something different. And all of those platforms just exponentially improved. And we hired uh, probably three people that I never met in person until after we hired them. And we have regular Zoom meetings on the management team. And then we do occasionally when we're introducing a new product or something, we'll be, you know, on a Teams or Google Meets or Zoom meeting. And that, I think there's a, one of the biggest benefits from doing these is that people are used to doing it. It wasn't that it wasn't, you know, really available before kind of a one-on-one -on -one type of thing or two or three people meeting, but, you know, we can put as many people as we want on a lot of these, these uh, remote meetings. Now you know, I still like to see people's faces. And I think most uh, customer facing people, salespeople like to see faces, uh, but there's a whole lot of stuff that can be handled more efficiently. Uh, digitally through Zoom or even on the phone, then, and people are accepting that more. Five years ago, if you didn't come see me face to face, I probably wasn't going to buy anything from you. You know, if I'm not worth it, forget it. Well, today people are realizing how much time that saves both ends. And we can do a lot, you know, we're managing them from afar. Also, a lot of the screens today on the technology side, we can grab those digitally and walk people through issues, problems. And some customers really are not comfortable with pushing buttons while they're 
Zooming you on the phone. And other customers will hope you do it that way, partially because it, it gets you to them hours sooner sometimes. And if it's and if they understand their technology and what buttons to push when you ask them to, they can get back going up and going just, I mean, a tremendous amount quicker than somebody having to drive there and somebody having to drive back. And it's less expensive for them, too. We have one of our suppliers here on the farm vendor. It cost me $225 for him just to drive up my lane before they start charging me for anything. That's a really expensive phone call. No, I don't think we've ever had a phone call that anybody got charged that much for. And that's just the trip charge. Yeah, that's so a lot. We can, we can cover more people, cover more people with less people more efficiently. It's just a huge advantage. And, and that it really is a function as much of anything of COVID. Yeah, that I mean, that was one positive to come out of it is it seems like everyone's more comfortable with Zoom technology and you can connect with people across the country. I guess I'm kind of old school. That's why <laughs> that's why we're doing this on a phone right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, you know, we don't have problems with it. It's another digital thing. You yeah. say old school, but by the same token, when we did interviews with magazines 25, 30 years ago, somebody was here with their uh, non-digital camera taking you know six rolls of film and yeah uh, they had to drive here and they had to do this and they had to do that you know we've done a couple of things on um, well actually there are photo contest type of things where our our lead uh, technology guy andy waters took some drone footage and of course he didn't win the competition but six months later i'm wish watching a kick out in Spain of some of Trimble's new products. And they're on about a 14 by 20 screen on the back of the back of a, the stage behind the Trimble representative was our Lexian combine, the grain cart, uh, selling 18 rows of corn running through my father-in-law's field. We didn't win the competition, but it was good enough to put in a worldwide stage and, <laughs> and they've used it in several advertisements since then. So, you know, and all of that was done digitally you know just bang bang it's done and somebody say that's pretty cool and used it you know there we didn't win the competition but it where we made the world stage so it's kind of funny <laughs> well this has been a great conversation um anything else you'd like to add before we let you go there's a couple things that i think if somebody's actually going to listen to this we see some things i think in the future that are coming up autonomous uh vehicles they're out there today they aren't widespread we have one friend that's mowing three air force bases with autonomous tractors now wow um and they won a competition of the department of defense that's uh sabanto they're uh some interesting people there and they're using kind of small mid-sized tractors although they have one larger tractor they've done this on but that's uh and they're not the only one in, the, in that space but that's really interesting to see what's going to happen uh, another thing that I think bears mention is the uh, sea and spray technology that John Deere has. Uh, Green Eye Technology has it. A couple of other companies have it. That is going to change the way that we apply chemicals and the amount that we apply. And uh, as we, you know, the green people push further on demand, further changes in chemical uses and stuff. I know. Uh, Green, I had uh, a uh, test with Nebraska, uh, University of Nebraska Lincoln this year, and they 
they, I believe they reduced chemical use by doing spot spraying by 87%. Well, that's, that's pretty huge when you, if you're worried about that kind of thing. Um, the third thing that I think is going to probably make as big a difference in production agriculture as anything in, in the past since, I don't know, probably since hybrid corn and the new varieties is the biological space today. Uh, all the big names are pouring money into that bucket. Um, and although there are, you know, millions of different uh, biologies in the soil out there, guys with the big bucks plus the guys that are doing it in their garage are sorting that out. Uh, we can see more consistent results with some of those products. And a lot of them are coming to market. I think that's going to be our next uh, boost to to production. And we have all these deals out there on the sustainability side. A lot of people in university and stuff have been preaching this uh, on sustainability and traceability. That is, it's happening. We, uh, I know one company, I don't have, you know, full disclosure, I have nothing to do with them. They have nothing to do with me, but I did notice that Driscoll, uh, strawberries had a code on the bottom of their packages and you can actually trace those strawberries back to where they came from. And the, it's pretty hard to do that in, in just, you know, mass commodities, but there are capabilities of taking it back to the field now for sure. And there are possibly, and depending on the product and how, how well it's identity preserved, you can actually take it to the area of the field that you harvested something And I think the consumers or the people that are wagging the consumer's tail are going to demand more of that in the future. And it's happening and the technology is here and it'll just get better. So I guess that's a little my outlook and, uh, I hope I'm around long enough to see some more of this. It's a lot of fun. And that'll wrap things up for this week's podcast. Thanks once again to Skip Kleinfelter for taking the time to join us for this week's Precision Farming Dealer podcast. Head to precisionfarmingdealer.com to catch older episodes. And also head there to register for the Precision Farming Dealer Summit, which is coming up January 9th and 10th. Guess who's going to be there as well? Skip Kleinfelter. Yes, he has taken the podium at the summit. So if you want to hear more from him, Head to the website and register your spot for the conference. Until next time, I'm Noah Newman. Have a great day.